0: Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking all things interview again. And we are diving deeper into a couple of key components that I would love you to get your head around so that you can approach your interviews really confidently. So today we are covering three different types of questions that you will come across in the interview, how to respond to those three types of questions, and we're also going to look deeper into the star response, which should be a go-to approach for responding to questions in the interview. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was notes, taking notes in with you and making sure that you use these strategies throughout to help you confidently respond to your best abilities whilst you are under pressure and crapping yourself. Because I know what it's like having done it so many times. However, I can tell you this, it gets better. As you move through your career, and you start off and you start interviewing and you start sampling and ex- expanding and trying different roles, you will get naturally better at doing this. It's like any skill. Catheterization, you crap the first time, didn't get it in the right spot. <laughs> this time, second time, we're going to do a bit better and we can just work through it, right? It's just repetition, repetition, repetition. I have done this coaching over 130 times and I'm still learning, right? I'm still learning how to grow and develop this skill set. And even when I go to interview, I still have mind blocks and moments where I go, crap, I've taught this 130 times. I've done it myself probably, I don't know, 15, 20 times. Therefore, I should be good at this, right? And I am pretty good at it, but there's always room to grow and develop. So if you don't get it the first time, do not bloody beat yourself up, okay? Because that's the worst thing you can do. You're trying and you should be super proud of that. So one other thing I forgot to mention, because I really should write notes when I do this, but uh, it's question themes. So we will go through that. So let's start off with notes. Now, I'm going to drop a link in the show notes of this podcast for you to be able to download my interview notes template on there. It gives you everything you need to be able to successfully write notes and keep it on two pages. Now, at a high level, notes, we talked about this in the previous episode. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to the episode where I talk about the interview process and why you must take notes in. But here is a quick recap. When we go to interview, we're in fight or flight mode. We cannot access all of the good memories that we have, all of those amazing experiences that you had as a student, as a level one nurse, as a, you know, Promoted nurse, as a senior nurse, you can't access them. That project you did, you can't remember because when you're in fight or flight, stress response, you don't have access to all of those memories, yeah? So our notes serve as a safety net. They're your warm, cozy blanket that you're taking into the interview with you to just give you that feeling of confidence that if in the moment you think, holy moly, I can't, what the hell are they asking me? You can use your notes, okay? You 100% can take notes into the interview. Right? I haven't met anybody yet that has been told they can't. You absolutely can't. And I do every time, and I teach everybody to do that. Now, your notes are shorthand notes, and in the template, at a high level, effectively two pages, one A4 page. You now, flip it over. We don't want multiple pages. Do not write eight pages. It will stress you the hell out in the interview because you won't be able to find a thing. It is set out in the document as a table. And it's really clean and straight to the point. So at the top, you've got your vision values and buzzwords, right? So how many times have you been in the interview and you have forgot the values? <laughs> oh, I've done it. And you see it in people. They get to the fourth value and they're like, please help. I don't know what the value is. So this will help you with that because you've got it there. So you remove that cognitive overload, right? Keeping like we think that we can keep it all up here, but we can't. It's just impossible in that flight or fight stress response, anxiety provoking interview situation. So we write it down and we remove it. So we've got our values, we've got the vision of the hospital there so that we can refer to that and use the language throughout the interview. Then we have buzzwords. So we think about looking at our job description, looking at the job, looking at the website, looking at their reports, doing our homework. We pick up all of the words that they use all the time. Advocacy, patient-centered, holistic, Yada yada yada, all of the jargon. Because that is what you're going to use when you respond to them in your questions. Because remember, those words are the buzzwords that they need to hear from you to score a higher mark. Okay. It's like just it's just a game. It's really just a game. Now, we've got our notes. So the top section there, we've got the vision values and the buzzwords. The next section is the Typical icebreaker, you know, why do you want to work here? Tell us about yourself. What is it about this role that you would like to apply? It's that introductory icebreaker question. We'll get into that a little bit more, but there's room there to think about that. Now, here's my top tip. If you've followed this process through and you've listened to my research Your CV episode, your professional summary on the top of your CV becomes your icebreaker response. It's your why. Why do you want this job? Well, my name is Liam Caswell and I am a highly qualified ICU nurse with education and managerial experience. And I've acquired 10 years of international public health, blah, 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 yada, 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 whatever that is for you. Whatever you've put in your professional summary becomes your why. So take, you've already done it. Easy. Moving on, we then break down the rest of the document into a question theme. So think of like a table, question theme. Then we have our star, so our situation, task, action, results, columns. And then in coaching, I go through this with people because often this is where working with a coach is super beneficial because you are so stuck in your head. You are so worried, stressed, anxious. You just, at this point in time, you just don't know what you don't know. And having an impartial person who is there that's neutral that can help you work through that is just a game changer. So, we've got a document, two pages, and that's how it's laid out. You can d- download that in the show notes, and I encourage you to do that. Now, when you've got that, you can then start thinking about key question themes. So, a question theme relates to, you know, the job description ultimately. So they've given you a job description and let's use an example. Let's say you're applying for acute medicine and you're applying for an entry level position into acute medicine. What we want to do is we want to look at that position description and we want to see what the key kind of duties and responsibilities are. So they might talk about things like being a registered nurse. Yeah, that's always there, right? That's not necessarily a theme. But they'll talk about delivering patient-centered care, working as part of a collaborative multidisciplinary team. They might talk about effective communication and documentation. They might refer to the National Safety and Quality Guidelines. There are a few things that might come up there, right? And just notice what comes up in your job description because they are most likely going to form the questions that you get asked on the day. Now, most of the time, the duties, responsibilities, and the selection criteria or the cover letter criteria formulate the question that they're going to ask you. So you kind of do have insight into what they're going to ask you you, when you get into the interview. So have a look at that and pull what you think might be the question themes. Now, over the last 10 years, I've noticed that there are trends, of course. You know, we love a good trend as nurses. There are trends in the interview Uh, themes that come up, okay? So, you will, nine times out of ten, always get a communication question. You'll always get a education, mentorship, support, patient education question. You'll get a deteriorating patient scenario. If it's an acute, subacute setting, aged care, what would you do? You'll get teamwork, time management. There are lots of things that come up that usually come up in most interviews here. So, Pick your themes, pop them in the themes column, give them their own little column, and then we start thinking about the different types of questions that might come up in the interview so that we can best prepare our responses. Now, disclaimer I'm an effective coach, I'm very good at what I do, and I have been able to help over 130 nurses get the results that they want in their career using this approach. However, I don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) And I don't know what they're going to ask you. And sometimes panels can ask you something left field. For example, one of my grads who worked with me had a question about, can you tell us your thoughts about social media and social media policies in the hospital? Like that's totally random that you can never prepare for that. However, when you really stop and think, they're just seeing that you can Critically think and problem solve and give them an opinion. So it's less about giving them the right answer, it's more about just giving them an answer that shows your thinking, right? And it's kind of what happens in nursing. When we do a skill, when we work with a clinician or an educator, they want to see our ability to critically think. They want to see that we are coachable. They want to see that we have the underlying knowledge, right? They don't necessarily look for the perfect answer. So the same rule applies. From identifying our question themes, we then need to work out the types of questions that we will come across, and we'll spend a bit of time here. So first things first, there are three main types that come up. The list, the star, behavioral example, and the good old scenario. So let's dive into all three. The list comes up maybe once or twice in your interview. And I call it a list because it effectively, your response will be a list of sentences. So tell us why you want to work here, Liam. That requires a list. That requires me to say, well, my name is Liam Caswell and I'm a 10 year qualified nurse. I have worked across, you know, the UK, Fiji and Australia. I'm really passionate about delivering high quality, exceptional patient care and Throughout my career, I've developed a really awesome acute skill. You know, it's just a list of sentences. There's no real storytelling. There's no real example-based. I'm not saying, oh, during my time working on X ward with X patient, I did X. Okay, that's an example. I'm not giving that here. The list is just a list of sentences. Okay, so the questions that you would use this for are those introductory questions. Maybe, you know, tell us your thoughts about social media. <laughs> you would list that, right? So, when you're listening to the question or when you get the questions beforehand, if they give you them 10 minutes before you get in, think to yourself Is this a list style question? How do I respond to this question? If you don't get the questions beforehand in the interview, take your time. Remember, you are in control, my friend. Take your time. Think about it. Listen. Is this a list? or is it not a list? And if it's not a list, what is it? Okay. So if it's not a list, it may be the star example questions. Okay. So let me tell you a bit more about what these questions sound like. Liam, can you tell us about a time where you have delivered highly effective patient-centered care? What did you do? Who did you do it with? And tell us why you did what you did. Notice in the language, like, can you tell us a time? They are looking for an example. They're not looking for a list, okay? So in this moment, we want to give them an example. We want to pick the best example that we have. And this is where our notes come in, right? Because we picked a question theme, which was patient-centered care. So I've created this amazing patient-centered care example. And in the moment, I'm going to use that and tailor it and adapt it is required to meet their question requirements, okay? So, we don't want to be rigid with our notes and be like, well, that's what I've got, so that's what I'm saying. We want to, in the moment, try as much as we can to really adapt it to the question that they're asking. So, you will notice in the language that they will tell you, can you tell us about a time? Or they'll say something like, patient-centered care is really important to us here at Better Health Hospital. Liam, can you tell us more about a time where you have... It's the same thing. They're just trying to confuse you a little bit, okay? (laughs) So don't get caught up in it. Just listen. So is this a list or is this a star? Lots of S's in there. The final S is the scenario-based response, okay? And people really do crap themselves about this one. And I find it interesting because remember they're not gonna ask you a scenario that's really, really complex. They're not gonna say you've come on shift, you've got a patient who's you know peri arrest and this is happening, this is happening, you know, which drug would you give? What would the dose be? And you know, how would you inform the patients and the relatives at the same time? Like they're not gonna get into that depth of detail. If they do, it's nasty. You don't wanna work for them. They're going to give you a scenario that is pretty common, like chest pain, angina, shortness of breath, respiratory distress, maybe cough wheeze, like something topical, COVID related, maybe depending on the role that you're going for. Okay, so think about what happens in this role. If you're going for aged care, it might be a fall, right? It might be a confused, delirious patient with dementia or Alzheimer's. It could be a behavioral thing. If you're going for ICU, it could be a bit more about deteriorating patient and showing your patient assessment skills. If you are going for cosmetics, it could be managing a difficult client who wants all the fillers <laughs> everywhere, right? And you have to educate and advocate and, and empower them to make the right decision. So your scenarios will be very specific to your area and it's really important to think about that. Now, with this scenario-based approach, there's the best way to approach it, in my experience, is to put yourself in the situation. In the interview, try and visualize as much as you can being in that room with that patient in that scenario, okay? Because they're going to say something like, okay, Liam, next question, question four, this is a scenario. Like, some panels will bloody tell you And it's amazing, right? Because you know, right, this is a scenario. So they don't need a list. They don't need the star example. They need the scenario response. So you can prep for that. Liam, this is a scenario. You've come on shift and you have a patient who is 40 years old. They're an asthmatic and they have had shortness of breath for the last eight hours. And the saturations are dropping to 84%. On room air. Talk us through what you would do, talk us through your process, and tell us why you would do it. Okay, provide your rationale. Easy, right? You've done this before. Even if you haven't done it, you can still tell them what you would do. It is just purely a process. You're stepping them through it. So this is where we go. Okay, I'm in the room with this patient. He's 40. I can see him. He's in the bed. His sats are 85%. He's struggling. He looks like he's working hard. So from that point, now that I've got the picture of him, what would you do walking into the room? Take them through the process. Step them through it. It doesn't have to be perfect. So first of all, I would knock on the door. I would walk into the room. I would introduce myself. I would wash my hands on the way into the room before touching the patient, right? Don't forget the little little nitty gritty details because they probably will be ideal answers, right? Little things that we want to take off. I've walked into the room washed my hands. I would then gain consent from the patient to assess him using my head-to-toe patient assessment or my ABCDEFG or whatever you use. Then talk them through your assessment. Gaining consent from the patient, I then commence my assessment. So I'd assess his airway and I'd be really worried about uh, patency and maybe Strider, maybe having some audible noises because he's got asthma and his sats are really low. Moving on to breathing, I would work through breathing, so I would assess his respiratory rate. I'm assuming, you know, he probably would be tachypneic. Now, it's really important, because notice that I only was given hypoxia. I was only given 85% SATs. I wasn't given anything else. Be conscious in the interview not to make the story up, okay? Don't do the whole oh, well, he's tachypneic at 26, and, like, I'm calling them out. like, you can't create the situation. They haven't given you all the details. And they've done that for a reason. They don't want to overwhelm you. So, they just want to hear your critical thinking, your processes, your processing of the information. So, I would say, do you know, I'd assess his respiratory, Like, he's SATs are 85, so he's probably going to be tachypneic, right? That's pretty factual. You know, I would auscultate his chest. I'd grab a stethoscope and I'd have a listen into his upper and his lower zones. And I'd be thinking about wheeze, and you know, stridor, maybe some gurgling, bubbling, uh, based on his medical history. And then moving from there, walk through your circulation, walk through your disability, work through your exposure. Yeah, and at the end of it. You then can present to them and say, well, based on my assessment, I would escalate to the team, or you might have already called the Met team because he's at 85%, right? And according to the calling criteria of this hospital, you would escalate it. You don't need to know their calling criteria. You don't need to know their policy. You just need to know what you would do, right? They want to hear that you're safe and that you have good thought processes around how to escalate and manage the care. So scenarios in that sense, I think are probably one of the easier ones to do because they're not looking for you to diagnose. They're not looking for you to make the story up. That's what people think, but that's not what you to do. So scenario-based questions, put yourself in the scenario, step them through the scenario, tell them everything that you would do. Don't skip anything. If it's really not that relevant, Feel free to skim over it, mention it, you know, skim over it. But really try and get into the nitty-gritty detail there and provide your rationale as to why. You know, I would auscultate his chest because he has saturations of 85%. Now the other thing in the scenario is use professional language. It's a reason why we have terms like tachypnea, tachycardia, hypotension, hypoxia, sepsis, use the words. Do not say low blood pressure. Do not say high blood pressure. Use the professional terminology. It just adds an extra layer, and you're a professional, right? So, we want to make sure that's how we communicate. So, that's a scenario. However, I know you're dying for me to talk about the star and the behavioral examples. So, just to recap, because there's a lot of info in here, we've gone through the list response which would be maybe one or two of your questions and they would be more framed as like tell us why you want to work here, what are your weaknesses, what are your strengths. They lend themselves to just a combination of sentences. Okay. The star example, we're going to go over that right now but that is more of those questions where they say can you tell us about a time or patient-centered care is really important to us here. Can you... Provide a time where you've done that and you've delivered patient-centered care. So then we give them a star response, which we'll go through in a minute. The scenario sounds a little bit like, this is question four and it's a scenario. Or you've come on shift and you have a patient, John, who's 40 with asthma and he is hypoxic at 85%. Talk us through what you would do. Just listen to the differences in the questions. You can identify them straight away. Oh, this is a scenario. I need to step them through this and you can prepare yourself accordingly, right? Now, the star example. So if you haven't heard star before, I encourage you to go back to my research CV and I think I even did an episode on star for selection criteria. The same rules apply for verbal. We want to break down and find our best examples relating to our question themes that we've already picked up on And we want to find our best star example response to give them in the interview. This is a bit of a process, okay? Because you've got to dig deep. You've got to find your best patient-centered care example. Now, you could argue you do that every day. Yes, you do. Find that one that really makes people feel something. Find the one that made you feel something when it happened. Do you know patient-centered care or patient experience? Remember that time that you went above and beyond for that patient, that family? And they just were so sweet and it was so lovely. And that becomes your example, okay? So you will have to dig and do a bit of exploration in your little mind there and find out what will be the best thing for you. This is also where coaching is beneficial because we can really map it out and say, well, yes, that's good. Do you have something better? I'll push you a little bit more to think, well, it needs to be a bit more patient-centered, focused. It can't be vague or broad or non-specific. It has to be very specific. Because we are looking for one time. So one word, one time, one patient with one problem situation that you resolved. Okay, that goes for all of the STAR uh, responses that we work through. So STAR. Why use STAR and why not just wing it and just roll with it? Because we love processes and systems. We love frameworks. Imagine Your MET calls without the BLS algorithm. (laughs) Imagine a cardiac arrest without the ALS algorithm. It would be hell, (laughs) hell on earth, and it would be a hot friggin' mess. The same as an interview. So, if you've been to an interview before and you think that you've stuffed up, you've probably gone in with no strategy and no frameworks to help you in the moment, okay? Because they keep you accountable and they also keep you in the process and they keep you safe ultimately because you can kind of pick up more easily than just waffling. So, we use STAR for our question, behavioral-based questions. STAR stands for S is situation, T, task, A, action, R, result. So, when they ask us a question, they'll say something like, Liam, can you tell us about a time where you have delivered excellent patient care and experience. Full stop. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, first of all, before I dive into the star, I'm going to paraphrase the question. So I'm going to say something along the lines of, thank you for the question. Throughout my 10-year career as a nurse, I have been able to deliver exceptionally high-level care and experienced patients um, throughout my career. Like, it's quite vague, but it's just an overarching kind of introductory sentence. I've received the question, I understand it, and I'm giving it back to you. Now we dive into the storm. Situation. Situation is short and sweet, okay? We do not want a long situation. They don't need to know the whole backstory. You will lose them immediately. Think about our attention spans nowadays. We watch a seven-second video on TikTok and we get bored of it. (laughs) And we move on. We don't even give people three seconds, right? I'm sure you skip over my stories all the time. (laughs) The point is we have very short attention spans. So situation, short and sweet. Next up is task. This is where we explain your role and your responsibility in the example that you are providing. Now, top tip, this example must relate back to the question that they've asked you, okay? So it kind of sounds a little bit like, My role was to provide patient-centered care to the family and patient in this scenario. Pretty straightforward, right? The next section is action. And now this is the section where you tell the story. You work through systematically, step them through the process of what you did to achieve patient-centered care. Okay, so what did you do? How did you do it? Who did you do it with? Describe the steps that you took towards achieving the task. What were the barriers? How did you overcome them? What skills, tools, experiences did you use to be able to help the patient and their family in this situation? This is the biggest section. It's the storytelling section. Your situation, your task, you've hooked them in, you've given them a little bit of what they need to know and then the action shows them how awesome you are. This is where you sell yourself, okay? And I'll give you an example in a minute the final step is result. So you want to explain what the end result was in this scenario or situation. And if you can, you provide quantifiable data. So as nurses, it's really hard at the start of your career to do this. But as you move through your career and you do projects or you do things, as you move through your career, you will collect information. You'll have managed a team of five people. You might have managed a budget of $4 million. You might have led a quality and safety project that reduced falls by 10 to 5%, whatever, use the numbers to support you. In result, you can talk about what feedback did you receive, you can link it back to the question, you can link it to the national standards, you can talk about if you would change anything, would you reflect, what learnings did you have, yeah? So result is basically wrapping it all up in a nice little bundle and saying, look at this beautiful scenario, it's very patient-centered, look at my amazing skill set, And as a result, this just confirms that I'm a good employee for you and therefore you should pick me, pick me, pick me. Okay. So what does this sound like in a actual star example? Well, luckily I've got one ready for you. So, question. Liam, tell us about a time that you delivered patient-centered care. Thank you so much for the question. Throughout my last 10 years as a registered nurse, I have been able to demonstrate my commitment to patient-centred care. For example, recently whilst I was working as a registered nurse, I looked after a female patient in a rehab setting who was in her mid-80s and had recently lost her husband. The patient was grieving and had no family locally visiting her in the hospital. I was allocated to care for this patient and I noted that she was low in mood and as a result was not eating or engaging in her rehab program. The patient expressed to me her grief and noted how she wanted to feel better. It was my role that day to boost the patient's morale, ensure her day was positive and implement supports to ensure she could meet her rehab goals. To begin with, I took some time to sit with the patient and actively listen to her current situation. I utilised my excellent verbal and non-verbal communication skills to uncover her worries and provide some one-to-one support. I did this by being present with the patient and utilizing their empathy. By partnering with the patient, I was able to holistically assess her situation and unpack her grief to meet her current needs. She noted that she hadn't heard from her family who live interstate in over a week. I immediately organized a phone call for her to talk with her family, to which she was very grateful. As we built rapport, she also highlighted that she would be open to seeing a clinical psychologist. So I made a referral using the ISBAR handover process tool. As a result, the patient was very grateful that she got to speak to her family interstate. By partnering with the patient and investing in building a strong relationship, I was able to utilise my therapeutic communication to motivate and engage the patient to mobilise and engage in therapy. The patient was reviewed by the clinical psychology team and a comprehensive care plan was put in place. The patient provided positive feedback about my care to the nurse manager, noting how I took the time to listen and care for her in her time of need, improving her overall hospital experience. So that is a STAR example. I'd love to know your thoughts. So if you're listening to this, shoot a comment onto Instagram, maybe screenshot and just shoot a comment about what you think about the STAR process. Notice how it just flows really nicely. Now, obviously I was reading that. That is an example that I've created, okay? But you will create your own in your notes. The beauty of going through this star process is that if you get stuck after your situation, the prompt is, right, what was my role? Yeah, so situation, what was the situation? Paint the picture. Task, what was my role? Action, tell the story. Result, what was the outcome? They're the kind of key fundamental steps that we need to follow in this process. So, in compiling your notes, you've got to take the time. This takes time to practice. So, note that the first thing that you write down will be what I call, and what Brene Brown calls, your shitty first draft. It's your SFD, and that's fine. Just write it down. Pick an example, pick a specific time where you've delivered patient-centered care, Pick a specific patient who has deteriorated on your shift that you think that example would show the panel that you are an effective candidate for this role. Break it down. What was the situation? What was the task action result? And just go through that process, yeah? It will take you time. Now, once you've documented that down in shorthand, don't write it out in full, otherwise you'll have 10 pages. Write it shorthand. Then we go through that and we go buzzwords let's litter this star with buzzwords so you've already got them up the top of your page so we just drop some of them in maybe you talk about respectfully communicating with the patient or you advocated for the patient's needs or you made an autonomous decision or like i mentioned isbar i also mentioned things like rehab goals things that would be pertinent to a rehab job we talked i talked about referral I talked about ISPAR, um, I think I mentioned that. I say things like, by partnering with the patient, because our National Safety and Quality Standards, Standard 2, for those that don't know, is partnering with consumers, okay? So we can use the language from our profession to really level up our response. So you get your SFD, your shitty first draft, then you level it up, and you drop in some of those buzzwords, and you get critical of it, and you think... What can I add to this that will elevate it even more? Now, this is the biggest challenge for people going for a promotion, as they go from a junior nurse or a level one nurse, whatever it may be in your state territory, to a level two, a senior nurse, and they give a level one example. If you're going for a promotion, you must, must, must give a level two example. You must give an operational, a managerial, a leadership, a quality example, something a bit higher level. Than just, I cared for a patient and I provided holistic care. You need to take it to the next level. So, that is our STAR process itself. So, in terms of this interview episode, we have gone through a lot of information. We've gone through our question themes. We have gone through our question types. So, we've got our three question types. We've gone through how to respond to the three question types. And then finally... We've, we've dug a bit deeper into the star itself because it is really challenging. Now, once you've got your star documented, your homework in the lead up to your interview is to practice, practice, practice. Get in front of a mirror, get your partner to ask you questions that you think might come up based on the question themes and the selection criteria and run through using the listing technique, the star and using your scenario technique, okay? The practice, 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 practice makes progress, right? If you don't practice this going in, it will not be implanted into your brain. By writing it down, I'm being a bit sneaky and I'm helping you start the ball rolling, but you then need to actually verbally talk it out loud and get used to talking in the start. And we go through that in coaching as well. So in this Kind of series of interview podcast episodes, we have talked lots about preparation and there is a lot of work that needs to be done for you to be able to go in and perform at your highest level. My question is to you Yes, it takes time to do this, but if you don't take the time to do this, do you really want the job? Do you really deserve to get the job? If you don't put the work in, you will not get the result that you want. Okay. The people, that wing it nine times out of 10, don't get it. You must invest the time in yourself. What I've learned over my career is that if you really, really want something, you will make the time. We are so good at defaulting, especially as clinicians, because we are time poor at work, but we're very good at making a life excuse of being time poor. And there is always time. You might need to get up a little bit earlier. You might need to stay up a little bit later. You might need to maybe not go out for the weekend to do your interview prep and ask yourself, will it be worth it? Of course it will be worth it. You'll have a new job. You'll be really happy in this new role because it's what you want to do and it's development, it's growth and it's maybe a pay rise and it's moving forward, right? Rather than just feeling stuck. So remember our brains, the one thing I want you to take away, our brains will always try and keep you safe so if you're sitting on the fence about a job and thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to apply for this, it's your ego telling you that you need to stay safe. What do you really want? Because you are not your ego. What do you want in your career? What do you want in your life? What do you want to create? Yeah, you take the action to create that and you say, thank you so much, ego. I'm glad that you're here because sometimes I need you to keep me safe. But right now, I need to lean into being unsafe." I need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Good old Brene Brown gets it right every time. You must be comfortable being uncomfortable because interviews are uncomfortable. But you now know so much more than you probably did before we started these episodes. So take everything that I've given you and run with it. And I would love to hear if you've used these strategies and put them into action, which of course you're going to do because Hundred and thirty of other people have done it and it's been successful. I know that this works. The only thing that's stopping you from putting it into practice is you. Yeah? So I'll leave that decision and choice with you. But until next time, do the homework, do the prep, and I'll look forward to hearing over on Instagram, Facebook, that you're smashing it and you landed that role. Until next time, stay safe. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.